Hey, Praise Shop Paramount. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message you're about to listen to is from our midweek service with Pastor Michael Hernandez, all the way from Reclaim Church in Huddle, Texas. It's a message entitled Unshakable Kingdom. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, what's up? Praise Chapel Paramount. It is so good to be with you guys tonight. Um, I'm excited to minister the word. I'm honored to be with you. Uh, of course, I wish we could all be together in person, but Thank God for technology that we can be together right now. So I'm going to be ministering a, a message entitled Unshakable Kingdom. And it's really something that we've been talking about here at our church in Huddle. And we get this idea from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 22 through 29. So I want to get right into the word, and I'm going to read that. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn there? It says this, But you who have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Why don't you pray with me tonight? Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for, for speaking to us. Lord, I pray tonight, God, that you minister to every heart. God, that we'd have confidence in who you are, but that you are not shaken. And we're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your mercy. And I pray tonight, God, that every word that I say would not be a word from my own opinion or my own thoughts, but let it be led by your word and by your Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this kingdom that he's talking about is, is the kingdom of God. And the truth is the kingdom of God is already among us today. When we hear things like the unshakable kingdom or the heavenly kingdom or the kingdom of God, we, we kind of think of like, okay, this outer space type of mysterious kingdom. But the truth is that this kingdom is among us today and you and I have access to be a part of the kingdom. Luke chapter 17, verse 20 through 21, Jesus being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you, or another version says the kingdom of God is among you. I believe the kingdom of God that he's referring to is the very presence of God himself, the presence of of Jesus, and we all, all of us together, this kingdom of God that we speak of, we've all been invited to be a part of this kingdom. We are all welcome, welcomed in to his kingdom. And I know at times we can feel like, man, I don't really belong. I don't, I don't think God really wants me a part of it. I know that I've made a lot of mistakes, and so maybe I'm not, I'm not one to join in on the kingdom of God. That's not the truth, because we've been welcomed 
into this kingdom. We go back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25. We're going to read it again. He says, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. See, God is calling us to join in and to be a part of the kingdom. We've all been invited. Every one of us have this invitation from the Holy Spirit. But see, if we're not careful, we can reject this invitation, we can reject the Holy Spirit. If you go back to the times when Jesus was walking the earth with his disciples, the Pharisees and a lot of the people rejected Jesus. They didn't want his teachings. They didn't want his miracles. They didn't want him. And, and the truth is, even some of us today come to this point where we hear the message of God, we hear the invitation from God, but because we understand that this invitation comes with sacrifice and it comes with surrender and it comes with humility, we reject this invitation. And just like they reject Jesus in, in the flesh, we reject the Holy Spirit. Acts 7.51 says, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. I want to encourage you tonight. I know it's, it's kind of like, well, how is that encouraging? All you're saying is we're rejecting him. The encouraging part of this is that we have an invitation. That you've been invited to be a part of the kingdom of God. No matter your background, no matter the family that you come from, no matter if you feel like nobody really cares about you or you don't really have a strong circle of people around you, no matter your situation or your circumstance or how you feel about yourself, the truth is that Jesus is calling us and inviting us to be a part of this kingdom. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 2 through 8, it says, The kingdom of God may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. But they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready, come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business. And while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. I believe what God is doing in this time, as, as really as, as a nation, even as the body of Christ, I believe what God is doing is he's inviting us back into the secret place. Now, in these times where we haven't been able to meet together physically, we've really had, a, have, we've had an opportunity to begin to examine ourselves and begin to understand, am I relying on the church for my own relationship with God? Now, don't get me wrong. We need the church and we need each other. And I'm sure you can't wait to be with each other again. And like I said before, I wish I was there with you in person. That would be so much better. But, but we've had a chance to examine our life and say, okay, Am I responding to the invitation that Jesus has given me during this time to get back to a place of intimacy, to get back into the secret place where I'm praying and seeking him? I believe that this time where God has stripped everything away from us, he's not stripped the secret place. He's not taken away the invitation to know him personally. But just knowing there's an invitation is not good enough. 
We cannot just know about what God is doing. We have to respond to his invitation. We have to say yes to God. And yes, Lord, I'll get into my prayer closet again. Yes, Lord, I'll get into the secret place again. Yes, Lord, I want to be in, in, in a moment with you. I want to be in a relationship, an intimate, deep relationship with the Lord. This is what Jesus is calling us to. Now, we may feel again, I don't deserve that. I really want that, but I don't deserve that. But the truth is that Jesus has redeemed us. When he's invited us in, when we accept this invitation to be in relationship with Jesus, he not only invites us, but he redeems us, and he cleanses us, and he saves us, and he makes us new. So when we accept this invitation, our lives are completely changed. In Ephesians 2, 11 through 13, it says, Therefore, remember that at one time you, Gent uh, one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by the made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We have been accepted and we've been invited into the family of God. When we respond to this invitation to intimacy, when we respond to this invitation of relationship with the Lord, we, we enter into this kingdom and we enter into this kingdom. He takes us from where we used to be and who we used to be and the things that we used to do and the identity that we used to carry. He brings us from that into the kingdom of God where he says you're no longer alienated. You're no longer separated. You're no longer um, not allowed into the promise, but now you've been welcomed and grafted in to the family of God. But if we're honest, sometimes this truth is so hard to walk in because we often think about the things that we used to do and the person that we were before and all these thoughts come into our minds of the things that we struggled with but when you're welcome into the kingdom and when you accept this invitation to be a part of the kingdom you are no longer who you used to be but because you've been redeemed by Christ and forgiven you have a new identity the book of James Chapter 1, verse 23 through 25 says this, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. This is a scripture that's basically telling us that when you look to the word of God it's like a mirror and not only and we, we often I think we use the scripture as a way to say it shows you your sins and it shows you all the bad things that you did and what you were saved from and although that is true the word of God is also a mirror when we get saved when, we're, when we come into this kingdom the word of God is a mirror that we can look at and say that's who I am now now I'm forgiven now I'm set free. Now I'm welcomed in. Now I'm a child. Now I'm a son or daughter of God. The word of God is a mirror that when we look at, we it describes who we are now in Christ. 
And what we do sometimes is we look at Scripture and we see that it says that God has forgiven us. We see that it says that we've been welcomed in. We see that it says, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. And all these Scriptures about relationship and forgiveness and cleansing, we see these things. And it shows us who we are, but if we're not careful, we put the Bible down and we forget that we've been forgiven. We forget that my old identity is no longer who I am, but I'm a new creation in Christ. If we look at the scripture, we look at this mirror, it shows us who we are and we cannot forget it. But remember, it is the grace of God that enables us to live out this new identity. When we see who we are, it's not who we are by our own power, by our own payments, or even by our own sacrifice. When we see who we are now in Christ, it is a direct, um, a direct action or a direct effect of the sacrifice of Jesus and the grace of God that enables us to now walk in this new identity. But when you read that scripture, don't put the Bible down and forget who God has called you and made you to be. Don't put the scripture down and forget that you're not who you used to be, that you've been forgiven. Because when we come to the Lord, there's a moment of shaking. There's a moment of God. There is conviction. A conviction is a good thing where God will say, hey, that that's in your life doesn't belong. Those things that you're doing, it's not who you are. The things that you're struggling with, that you're addicted to, that's no longer what you're supposed to walk in. What God will do is he'll shake us up to begin to walk this new life in Christ that we've been welcomed into. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. He's saying, look, you don't belong here. This is not your final place. The earth, this, everything that we have right now, the houses we live in, the places we go, the food that we eat, the family that we're a part of, this physical life is temporary. It's not forever. We're going to get through this season. We're going to get through it. But guess what? After this season, there's going to be another season we want to get through. But I want to encourage you. This is not our last stop. We are citizens of the kingdom. We are citizens of heaven. So what is he saying? He's saying, listen, since you're exiles and since you're sojourners or another script, or another uh, version says, since you're pilgrims passing through, don't give in to the things of the flesh. Don't walk in the way that you used to walk in. No, you don't belong here. This is not your final home. So therefore, don't live like it is. So when we come to God, we have to allow him to shake us up and to remove those things that are not eternal, to remove those things that will not last when we get into heaven, when we get into eternity. Christ is calling you to the kingdom, but this calling comes with a shaking of the flesh and to shake out the things that don't belong. And I believe what God does is he shakes us up. And as he shakes us up and we're walking into this kingdom, he begins to change the way that we think. And we are no longer fleshly minded or earthly minded, but we become kingdom minded. Now, what does it mean or what does it look like to be kingdom minded? I believe that kingdom minded, a kingdom minded person is one who will trust in the plans of the Lord and not even in our own expectations. See, when Jesus came to the people, they were expecting a king that would come and physically take them out of the oppression of their government. They were hoping for a king that would come and shake up that specific time in the flesh. And they were saying, can you set us free right now? But what they did not understand was that the plan of God was not to shake up just 
their kingdom and to get them free physically. But the plan of God was to come in and shake up their spirit and free them spiritually and for all eternity. When, we, when we're kingdom minded, we trust in his plan and not our expectations. See, Jesus understood this and he's a great example to us of what it looks like to fulfill God's plan even when we don't want to. To fulfill God's plan even when it doesn't make sense to us. Even when our expectations for what God should do are very different from what God is doing. And so it says this in Hebrews 12, 12 verse 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. It says looking, or excuse me, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus was willing to go through the pain to fulfill the plan. Jesus was kingdom-minded. He was focused on the will of God. He, he was focused saying, God, I'm going to go through this because I know that it's a part of your will. I'm going to go through this and trust your plan because there's joy that is set before me. So I'm going to endure this pain. I'm going to endure the cross so that I can fulfill the plan. We as kingdom people have to be kingdom minded to be focused on the will of God, to stay at our post even when we want to leave, to continue doing what he's asked us to do, even when it doesn't feel good anymore, even when it doesn't feel like it's being effective, even when it doesn't feel like anybody notices or nobody's affirming us or nobody's congratulating us or nobody's patting us on our back. That does not matter. What matters is one thing. Are you being obedient to the will of God or are you being obedient to the will of the flesh? And Jesus exemplifies this for us. We have an assignment. God has assigned us. You have to stay at your post. What is your assignment? What is the assignment that God has given us? We are assigned as kingdom ambassadors to the world. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Our assignment when it comes to the kingdom as kingdom ambassadors is to bring others to Christ. In this season, everything that we live for, it should be living to bring others to Christ. See, when we're not focused on the will of God for our lives, that's when the devil can easily deceive us to exit our post or to stop working for the glory of God or stop living for the Lord. When we're not focused, we're easily deceived. You think of uh, the King David and Bathsheba in the book of Second uh, Samuel chapter 11. The first thing that it says is when the kings go out to war, David stood home. And we all know the story. David ended up sleeping with Bathsheba and it's this, this crazy soap opera stuff that happens to him and all these things. And it really, well, the worst part is he rebelled against God. Why? Because he wasn't focused and he wasn't at his post when he was supposed to be. When we're not focused on the will of God, 
when we're not focused on our kingdom assignment, then the enemy can easily deceive us and easily, easily cause us to turn and begin to live for the flesh. See, focusing on the kingdom of God is the opposite of self-preservation. The kingdom of God is not about self-preservation, but it's about kingdom expansion. So my life that I live, the will of God, my post is not for my, just for my own benefit, but my post is for the benefit of others, that others will be grafted in and welcomed into this kingdom. But the more we focus on selfish desires, the less we focus on kingdom expansion. That mindset leads us away from the will of God and draws us into the will of the flesh. So we should be kingdom-minded and fully surrendered to his will. Fully surrendered to the will of God. I want to ask you tonight, are you surrendered to the Lord or are you living for your flesh? Are you surrendered to the assignment that God has given on, put on your life? Not, not your neighbor's life, not your brother's life, not your, not your leader, on your life. Are you being obedient to that assignment or are you living for yourself? And that's something that your pastor can't answer for you. That's something that your leader can't answer for you. That's something that you and God, you have to answer for yourself. It's between you and the Lord. But Jesus shows us what it's like to be fully surrendered. Again, Jesus is the greatest example of a kingdom-minded person. He came to establish the kingdom of God, and he did just that. But he shows us what it is to be fully surrendered. In the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 36 through 42. It says, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to, to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And talking with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. This is a perfect example of a kingdom-minded person. God, not what I want, but what you want. Lord, I want to live my life to please you. God, I want to live a life that, that, that brings you honor and brings you glory in the way that I treat my wife, in the way that I talk to my kids, in the way that I talk to others around me, the way that I treat my coworkers and my boss, and the way that I treat strangers that I meet um, as I go throughout my day. God, I want my life to please you. This is what Jesus did. He said, I don't care. It's not about what I want. It's about your will. When's the last time you had that prayer with the Lord where he's challenging you to do something that you did not want to do and you said, God, your will and not mine. This, this mindset is not just a mindset of something that, that is like, okay, I'm just going to do it no matter what. I don't care how I feel. Again, those are good traits. But the mindset of kingdom surrender and submitting fully to the will of God comes down to relationships. We want to please the Lord because we love Him. Because He's everything to us. We want to obey. It's not a burden to say yes to God because it's obedience to someone we love. And the only way that we love Him is because He first 
loved us. This is about relationship. The kingdom of God is about relationship between you and the Lord. When I was reading this scripture, it, it talked about Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. And I, I began to really question, like, why are these mountains referred to when it talks about the unshakable kingdom of God? Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 through 24, it says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I, tre I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the, and to the innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See, these, the difference between these two mountains, you have the experience of Moses and the children of Israel on Mount Sinai, and then you have Mount Zion. Mount Sinai, when the, when the Lord touched it, when the glory fell, the mountain shook, because physical things cannot carry spiritual weight. The things that are temporary cannot carry the glory of God. But sometimes what we do is we put our faith in Sinai. We put our faith in physical things that we can touch and that we can feel. But can I tell you, those things that you can touch and that you can feel, those things don't last for eternity. So don't put your trust in your job. Put it in the Lord. Don't put it in your money. Put it in the Lord. These are The, the Lord is the one that we can trust for all eternity because of Zion, because we have this kingdom, this mountain that cannot be shaken and this kingdom that is referred to in this scripture is a kingdom again that is available to us the major difference between Sinai and Zion is visitation and habitation Sinai was a mountain that the Lord would visit but Zion is a mountain where the Lord inhabits and God is inviting us to a place not of just Every now and then, visitations from Him. And once in a while, we have an encounter with God. No, this kingdom that we're being invited to is Mount Zion, where the Lord, the presence of God dwells. What does that mean? That means that everywhere you go, when you're connected to the kingdom of God, you are walking with the King. These are the major differences that God is now available, not just to visit, but to abide in. It's not just an experience. But it's a walk, it's a relationship. This is the kingdom of God. Revelations 21, or Revelation 21, verse 2 through 3 says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word has come and he's dwelt and he dwells among us today. This is the kingdom of God. It's not visitation, but it's, it's, it's abiding in. It's not just experience, but it's relationship, walking with the Lord. And you now have access to this kingdom. This kingdom that we speak on, it's not a mysterious kingdom that you cannot be a part of. But again, we've been redeemed 
by the blood of Jesus. And this blood is what enables us to be a part of the kingdom. It says this, um, I'm going to try to jump down to verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. That blood speaks of revenge and justice because of murder. But the blood of Jesus cries out to God and it cries and says that justice has been served on the cross. This blood doesn't cry out for revenge, but it cries out redemption. This blood of Jesus that covers us even today is the very blood that allows us to be in relationship with the Lord. And because we're in relationship with God, because we're a part of this kingdom, we walk in the stability of the kingdom. We walk in, in, in unshakable believers for the Lord. Now listen, the world can be shaken. The, the, the governments can be shaken. Our nation can be shaken, but the kingdom of God is unshakable. And when you are a member and the kingdom of God dwells inside of you, then you cannot be shaken. You cannot be moved. Now, yes, we can get upset and we can get frustrated and we can have those moments where we feel like we can't go on anymore. But listen, you have the kingdom of God in you. You cannot be shaken. Psalms 125, verse 1 through 2. It says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. See, the kingdom of God is in you. It's around you. It surrounds you. And you, just like his kingdom, are unshakable. When you put your trust in God, we become unshaken like Mount Zion. I want to encourage you tonight before I close to understand what he's calling us to. That he's calling us to Zion to abide in, to inhabit, to be in relationship with him. Not Sinai, which is visitation and every now and then encounters. You can know God personally, deeply. But you have to live in surrender. You have to live in, in, with a humble heart towards the Lord, saying, God, not, you, not my will, but your will be done. So I want to pray before as we close. And again, I want to thank you for allowing me to minister. I, I miss my old church family. Of course, we have new church family here, but I miss you guys, and, and it's been a crazy time. I'm glad I'm able to minister right now, or I was, I was able to minister, but let's pray, and I, I hope this message spoke to you. So, Father, we thank you for this time together, and I pray, Lord, that you would speak to every heart, God, that we would see the invitation that's being placed before us, that we are invited to, to intimacy with you. Lord, we're invited back into the secret place where nothing else matters but a relationship with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.